You're listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast, your new home for inspiration, family, sports conversations, and a lot of other stuff. We're your all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life and your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. Enjoy the show. On the next episode of They Call Me Mr. You, we're doing a deep dive into the life of a man who's no more than a footnote in biblical history. A bit player and supporting actor in one of the greatest events in his era or any other era. Today, we're going to unpack an incredible life. And when it's all said and done, maybe, just maybe, you see yourself in that life too. That's coming up on the season three premiere episode of the Call Me Mr. You, which starts in five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the All Purpose Pod for an All Purpose Life. We're your weekly mirror check before you go change the world. So look close. Tick tock. We got work to do. And it starts with you. Let's go! Oh yeah, oh yeah. Welcome back to the all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life. We're your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, wherever you are today. However you listen to our podcast for the first time or the 50th time, thank you for making a Call Me Mr. You, the people's podcast, a small part of your morning, your day, and your week. So glad to have you back with us. Season three, baby. I'm so excited. God is so faithful to allow us to have a third season of this podcast. So much went into the first one. I didn't know if we ever even get here, but we're here. I'm so excited. And you know what? You guys have been faithful as well. Your listenership, your support of us on our social media platforms. Thank you so much for listening, taking to heart what we share, and even what I'm hearing from some of you guys putting into action what we talk about and discuss on this podcast. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Season three is going to be fantastic and you're a big reason why. This is the People's Podcast. Thank you again for being the people. Quick shout out to everybody who's been tracking with us for the first two seasons. For some reason, many prefer anonymity. They don't post, they don't comment, they don't leave any sign that we're ever even here. I don't know why that is, but I created this podcast for you too. So thank you for supporting us from the shadows. We're grateful for you. For all those that are active in posting and sharing and subscribing and even rating us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and a few other places you can do that. You're driving what we do here. They call me Mr. You. It's really appreciated. Thank you again so much. Now, a quick note today uh, as we start season three. Around mid-season two or so, we put some communications out to all of our listeners asking if you'd like to have a place where you can discuss the podcast, ask questions, or even connect with those who may enjoy podcasts like you do. Podcasts like They Call Me Mr. You. Well, it would theoretically be a safe space to discuss topics from the show and even your takes on it, how you applied it, what you learned from it, things like that. I'll moderate that where needed, but for the most part, the group is going to belong to you guys. You guys are going to run how the group goes, how the questions and stuff, and and kind of be a bit of the authority 
when things go off the rails, you guys will have the responsibility of bringing it back in line where it needs to be. Now, if that is of interest to you at all, or someone you refer to our show, reach out to us here at They Call Me Mr. You, and we just might make that happen depending on the responses. I'm thinking a group me page. We can have a, a chat. We, we can get notifications about new episodes and topics of discussion, things like that. Uh, I tried the Facebook page before. Not really a big fan. And this is probably one of the best suggestions that I can come up with right now is group me. If you have a better idea, I'd love to hear it. Reach out to us. Let us know. We'll be a good place to have discussion about our podcast, ask questions, have a safe space to connect and discuss the topics from our show and things like that and even meet new people. Let us know what you think. Group me is my suggestion. I'd love to hear yours. Quick update also on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. I've been getting several messages from you guys over the past two seasons regarding your ability or inability to leave ratings and reviews for our podcast. I totally understand all of the anxiety. I really apologize for that. Everybody's been really respectful and understanding so far, and I definitely appreciate your patience. The situation used to be, it was only two places where you can leave a five-star rating and review for our show. That was Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. I've heard you can do the same thing on Spotify and Google Podcasts, but that's incorrect information. So I want to let you know that you cannot do a rating and review for our podcast on Google Podcasts or Spotify. That's not true. But there are additional ways to do that, which I'll share with you right now. Two additional ways, along with Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, that you can leave a review are a site called podchaser.com, podchaser.com, and Podcast Addict, A-D-D-I-C-T. It gives you four ways to rate and review us. So it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podchaser.com, and Podcast Addict. If all of the above are not possible, but you really, really want to give us a rating and review, five star, I hope, borrow a friend's phone to access Apple Podcasts and hook us up. Leave us a five-star rating and review in your comment. We'll definitely hear it. And maybe we'll discuss it on the air on a future episode. We'll see how that goes. One more programming note for you. And then we'll jump into our episode for today. Our broadcasting seasons are going to run from February to June and then July to November. Those are our seasonal schedules. February to June and July to November. Barring any unforeseen circumstances and things like that. So we're going to be responsive to most of your messages during the holiday season throughout the month of January. But that's going to exclude anything regarding business development, any requests to collaborate with other podcasters, or any requests for me to do interviews on your podcast. That's going to not take place during the holiday season throughout the month of January. So we're not going to start taking those kind of consultations and inquiries until February, okay? And those kind of things will end in November, near end of November, around Thanksgiving or so. Okay? All right. So let's jump into our episode for today. Now, normally I don't pick topics haphazardly. Now, in our first season, I even offered to allow some of our listeners to offer a topic and we'll do it once a month, something like that. But the Tom Foolery was, was real thick <laughs> in those days. So, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. Just being honest. But I really try to consider topics that speak to our audience and to what's taking place around us, what's relevant to what's going on around us right now. And with that thought in mind, we're going to do a deep dive into the life of a man who 
I believe is relevant, even though he's a footnote in biblical history. I believe he's relevant to today's times. And I want to highlight him, spotlight him and give him some some honor, which I believe is very, very due or even overdue. Honestly, if he was here today in the times we're living in, you probably wouldn't even notice him. You would likely see the result of his work, but you wouldn't notice him. It's not because he isn't relevant per se, just not recognizable. He's been faithful, but only a very select few noticed. He sacrificed his reputation and maybe even his life. And he's no more than a footnote in biblical history, a bit player, a supporting actor in one of the greatest events in his era or any other era for that matter. Not acknowledged except on the way to the part of the story everybody prefers to discuss and talk about and share. He's very relevant. Even if you don't think so, or you have some deep-rooted experiences making him the de facto bad guy in your life story, he's the hero in mine. He's who I aspire to be. Yep, he's unassuming, no frills, honorable, faithful, a loving example of a father is the hero in my story. Maybe he is in yours too. Let's unpack the incredible life of Joseph of Nazareth. Not the coat of many colors, thrown in a pit, accused of attempted assault, tossed into prison, second in command of Pharaoh in Egypt, Joseph, the other one. This Joseph is the father of Jesus. His name actually means he will add, not much different than my name. It means Yahweh shall increase. Now, from an ancestral aspect, he lived in Nazareth of Galilee, but he was descended from King David and his son Solomon. So understand he has deep roots and a deep priestly and kingly bloodline in him. Now, this point may not ring any bells for some, but it's important because the lineage of David produced most of the kings of their time. So any son of Joseph adopted or by birth would be a legal heir to a Davidic kingship. Understand that. He's, de he's de descended from King David. So that means that he has the blood of kings flowing through his veins. So here's the thing. Something else that's pretty important is that due to sinfulness of some wicked kings within the line of Judah, the Lord pronounced that no child from this line could sit on the throne of David or rule in Judah. Understand that because of what God pronounced, because of the sin that was going on in Judah, the Lord pronounced that no child from this lineage could be king and walk in Davidic kingship or rule in Judah. Jeremiah 22 and 30 highlights this. It says, this is what the Lord says. Record this man as if childless, a man who will not prosper in his lifetime, for none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. Wow. So the implications there is that if the coming savior came through Joseph's loins, that means if Joseph physically had Jesus Christ, he'd be subject to the curse proposed by God and would be unable to stand in the authority of king. We don't talk about it much. We talk about a savior. We talk about a healer, but understand that he was also King Jesus as well. Some more background on Joseph. He lived from 2030 BC and died before Jesus was crucified and probably before Christ's ministry began. He never laid eyes on his son in death or in resurrection. Occupation-wise, he was a carpenter, basically a classic blue-collar job at that time. Let's park right here for a minute if we can. I'm not saying this is the blueprint or some kind of formula, but we have plenty of references 
for moments in time where the call or the favorite come from unlikely places. Can you agree with that today? Can you see that as valid in your life and in your experience? But that's just as unpopular today as it was then. Those that came from impoverished backgrounds or limited educational opportunities or had a lack of pedigree are never considered for high value positions. The natural thinking man finds that foolishness. Why would God want a leader who can't speak well? Or a young lad whose primary experience is herding sheep. Or a man whose only trade and experience is that of a fisherman. Or a man guilty of, or at least complicit in a murder. I can literally go on and on. It looks foolish to us because of our intellect, perhaps. But it makes perfect sense to God. If you ever had a doubt, if you're underserved, underprivileged, destitute, lied on, disrespected, marginalized, or living check to check on that blue collar lifestyle. There's plenty of history that says you are a fitting candidate for a promotion. Just saying. Maybe that helps. Maybe it doesn't. Just saying. But Joseph was the husband of Mary, foster father of Jesus. Coincidentally, the first recorded foster father that we can find. He was instrumental in fulfilling some of the prophecies of Jesus, including that he would be of the line of David, born in Bethlehem, come from Egypt, lived in Nazareth. Foster father, huh? Hmm. There's a couple of things dead I want to try to touch on a little bit if I can. Him being the considered the husband of Mary and him being a foster father of Jesus. One of the reasons why I so respect this man of God so much and how I can relate to his stories because I was in a similar place. Uh, no, my children weren't immaculately concepted, but similar in other ways. An angel of the Lord didn't speak to me four times, as was done for Joseph, but I can definitely relate. I wrote about my story as a father and stepfather in a book entitled The Heart of a Stepfather. It was my very first book. By God's grace, I wrote it in six weeks, 194 pages. But I wrote it because I believe it was God-inspired. I don't know the stir it would create in my family. I didn't know that it would cause so much turmoil and conflict. I also didn't know the change it would break off of my life, which it did. How many of you can relate to the pain of having a father saying you're not worth fighting for? I know that's heavy. But who can relate? Can you relate to the pain of having a father saying you're not worth fighting for? Through this painful experience, I learned more about unrequited love than any soap opera can teach me. I got introduced to the spirit of rejection for the very first time early on in my life. I found out the requirements to be elected as the black sheep of the family. I learned that early on in life. You know, when I think about this kind of thing, I think about, I think more about my response to it more than what happened to me, what happened to my life. And I think where I am now has helped me to develop that kind of thinking. But if you've ever been in this, a place like that, where you've had that kind of experience, where you've been hurt and rejected in that way, here's a question for you to ponder as we move on through the episode. Have you forgiven them yet? Or are you still angry decades after the incident? Have you forgiven them yet? 
Or are you still angry? Are you still walking around with unresolved issues? Decades later. You know, you see them on social media timelines. You know, the perfect family. Children that grew up with no real issues, right? They got a loving, even a doting mother and father in the household. Mothers and daughters, fathers and sons are best friends. That's not everyone's experience. Some people have walked a different path, and that's okay. I wrote about that in that book, and I talk about what I know. In the course of writing my book, I realized how easy it is to take certain fortunes for granted. The good fortune to have a household without abuse in it. The good fortune of having healthy children that grow to be healthy adults. The good fortune of not growing up wealthy and seeing the rest of the world as being sad or little or less than. Even the good fortune of having positive role models that aren't trying to be that to please man. But because doing what's right all the time is their code. It's their motto. It's their legacy. It's their epitaph. The role of father doesn't get the acclaim that it should. I think if we're honest, we can see that. A crazy tie and a plastic sun visor doesn't say enough. Even once a year, it doesn't say enough for the sacrifices that so many fathers are making for their families. The arrows that men have to take on, especially fathers, is unprecedented. This time that this man lived in, maybe it wasn't better than what we experience today, but it was different. Scriptures teaches us that Joseph was a good man and a man of integrity who just happened to be of limited means. Understand what I said earlier. He descended from kings. He has a royal bloodline. But he's of limited means, working a blue-collar job. That still mattered back in those days. Although Joseph walked around with the heritage and blood of kings coursing through his veins, he was considered by many experts to be poor. Luke 2 and 24 is used as an example that when it was time for them to offer a sacrifice of lambs, they couldn't afford to do so, so they offered a minimal sacrifice based on their ability to do so. A minimal sacrifice of turtle doves and pigeons because that's all they could afford. It was the best sacrifice they can give based on their financial circumstances. In addition, it was speculated that by some scholars that when a wise man bought expensive gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, it was to pay homage to the king of kings, but also to fund their escape to Egypt from King Herod, who wanted to have everyone that was a male child killed to not have any uh, heir to his throne. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 has a powerful point that says, though he was rich, meaning Jesus, for your sakes, he became poor. He had access to deity in heaven and he had access to everything that you could want or need. He didn't want for anything. He wasn't lacking anything. And he became poor for us. These are the kind of things that made me think about the role of a father. These are the kind of things that made me think about Joseph. He could have called on rich relatives. He could have traded on those relationships and said, you know what? We're in need. I need you to help us because we are the family and lineage of kings and we should be living better than we're living right now. I should have to be a carpenter all my life, struggling to make ends meet. Can't even go on a vacation with my family. 
fathers make sacrifices like this all the time. You just don't hear about it very much. You don't hear it discussed. Mother's Day is talked about a month in advance. Sometimes more. Sometimes fathers don't get that kind of uh, acclaim, which is very difficult to understand. But fathers do this. They make this kind of sacrifice that 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 makes. Though he was rich, for your sakes, he became poor. He could have done a lot of things, but he did the best that he could. In this case, we know that Joseph wasn't a celebrity parent or the patriarch of a wealthy family. He maintained a modest, honest living, working with his hands. He was a man of integrity and he cared about his reputation. Even though he was not a high-standing member of the community, he still cared about what God thought. Would you for a minute put yourself in Joseph's shoes? The fit might be kind of snug, but bear with us today. As much as I respect what Joseph did as a father and leader of his family, I respect the integrity he walked in when he didn't have to. See, that's the key that I think many of us miss. We don't mind doing it when people can see us. We're more than happy to show up and show out. But but Joseph showed integrity when he didn't have to. When nobody was watching but him and God. At the the end of the day, isn't that what integrity is? Doing the right thing consistently when no one's watching? Without peeking at that post on Instagram, isn't that what integrity is supposed to be all about? Doing the right thing even if it costs you something you thought was valuable? Think about what they were dealing with. Jesus was a child. So let's ask this. What would Joseph do? We talk about what Jesus would do. What would Joseph do? Joseph could have left Mary to the laws of the community. I mean, she popped up pregnant and he know he didn't have anything to do with it. And they were getting ready to get married. So they weren't even married yet. Think about the implications. In based on the laws of the community, Mary and the unborn baby, which is Jesus Christ, the savior could have been stoned to death because of infidelity. Joseph showed integrity by opting to go with a quiet divorce instead until he heard from the Lord. You can find that in Matthew 1 and 19. What he wanted to do was cover her and protect her and keep her from obviously being stoned, but also being scrutinized and verbally attacked and all the things that would go with Someone in her position with child wasn't married and didn't really have an explanation that people wanted to hear or believe. Joseph most definitely had some kind of conflicted feelings about all that was going down. He might have been confused. Questioning if he was betrothed to the right person. Wondering if Mary was clinic Mary was clinically insane. <laughs> the creator of heaven and earth impregnated her. <laughs> Maybe he was fearful of what the townsfolk might think or do if they found out Mary might be living foul. Pondering, should he protect this woman from the potential consequences or stand beside her and protect her? Just to name a few of what a few things Joseph might have been concerned about. But we also know that Joseph was a learned man of scripture. How else would he have reckoned himself to the idea that he would be the father and first role model to the savior of the world? It's implied that he would have to have understood the prophecies and have heard of the coming of Christ in order to buy into that 
when the angel of the Lord spoke to him. He didn't hesitate to marry marry Mary. Yeah. He didn't hesitate to marry Mary. <laughs> he protected the child with his very own life. Literally. He exhibited self-restraint in filtering out the angel's specific instructions to him. Most notably, do not have intimate relations with Mary while this process is taking place, while the baby is being born. He showed devotion to God that's rare in these days. When I look around, all I hear are men getting slammed for not doing the right thing, men not being a father to their children or not being a good stepfather, maybe perhaps being inappropriate to their stepchildren or being hateful and destructive to their households. That's what we hear about. But there's so many fathers. I'm not saying they like Joseph, but they remind me of him because I know quite a few of them that make sacrifices that no one I know would make. No one I've known has ever made. I've known fathers that have run away from their responsibilities, avoided taking responsibility for their actions, avoided the families that they've created, shirk responsibility, and have been all around broke off piece of man. But there's so many fathers that have been men of integrity, that have fought and clawed and scratched to make livings for their children and their families, even when they had very little to work with, very little education, very little opportunities, very little good fortune. This is the rare devotion that we're talking about today. It's very rare. But it does take place. When Jesus was 12 years old, Scripture says they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents had no idea where he was. They had such a big company with them, they just, one just assumed that the other knew where their child was. And they went a whole, a whole day, a whole 24 hours before they realized, you know what? Jesus, our son, is not with us. So they had to go back to Jerusalem to find him. And they found him after three days of looking for him. They found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, teaching them. You can find that in Luke chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Joseph is a incredible man for a lot of different reasons. Let me ask you a question. How many of you men, I know more than men are listening, I know women are listening too. Most of our listeners are women. How many of you men would be okay with being known as the husband of whatever your wife's name is? Throughout scripture, from Genesis and, and beyond, all the revelations, when you hear about lineages and hierarchies and records being kept, you hear about the men who are the husband and the father and the leader in their household and the children that they had in their children's names. Every once in a while you hear who they're married to. So-and-so is the wife of so-and-so. But it's very, very rare to hear a situation like this where you hear Joseph described as the husband of Mary. It's usually the other way around. So it gives precedence to Mary over the male, the husband, 
in this case, Joseph. Conventional practice, particularly in scripture and in times prior to that, at least prior to the last 10 years, has always been an emphasis on the male as being the progenitor, the leader, the responsible party when it comes to inheritances and, and law giving and social and political statuses, etc., etc. But in the role reversal, in Matthew 1 and 16 specifically, Joseph was known as the husband of Mary, who was the mother of Jesus Christ. Actually, again, how many of you men would be okay with being known as the husband of blank? In our time, you have some situations where the husband stays home and takes care of the children while the wife goes out and works. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that when it comes to scripture. What do you think that looks like? Is that something that you feel comfortable with? Do you think that's something that God is pleased with? Do you think that's something that is a, a, a change that the world brought about that's not a good change? What do you think about that? That's not what's happening here, but there's a precedence and emphasis on Mary more than him. Like I said from the outset in the intro, Joseph had become a bit of a supporting player in one of the greatest events known in biblical history. How many of you men wouldn't resent taking a back seat to a more popular or socially relevant wife? You know, that kind of happens in our social circles, even in our ministry environments. Sometimes the wife is the spouse that is more popular, more social. I've seen it several times, all the time. And the male, the father, the head of household, who's not advocating his role or anything, he's doing his job. But in those social situations, he's taking a back seat, either by choice or in some situations, because he doesn't feel confident in himself and in their relationship that he can stand up and be more out front. I've seen it kind of go both ways. It's a complicated issue. But I love Joseph's story because it runs counter to the long-held idea that if you're simply ordinary or don't perform at any high-level function or high-impact gifting, you're not effective or you're not important to the larger picture. That's incorrect on so many different levels. You can't become extraordinary until you are actually ordinary first, right? That's what happens when the extra is added on to you. The amount of men and women that are deemed ordinary, but who performed extraordinary feats, made incredible inventions, discovered unbelievable finds, or changed the world with their writings, poetry, and scientific skills is countless. It was their trust and their faith that opened the door to being relevant. It was never about their gift or who they were related or connected to. I mean, what else could have made a carpenter the perfect choice for the father of a savior? I mean, if we wrote the story ourselves, if we set all this into motion, we never would have written it this way. We were authors of this story. We would never have written it in this way. It would not have come to mind because that's, that goes, that runs counter to the way we think and the way we've been led to believe all of these years, what we've learned, what we've been taught. But it's encouraging to me that he cares more about where we are than our position and our posture, than the gifts and abilities that we have that we bring to the table. You know, our bloodline and our intellect and our professions, they're not more important to God than our character. And Joseph is a man that had character. How many men do you know in your life outside of your husband that have character? Outside of your father, perhaps, that have character. 
there's so many ways that Joseph showed himself to be an excellent example of a father and of a servant. <clears throat> I want to quickly recap with a few questions because I, I want to make sure that we are thinking about this competently because Joseph is not some random story that just is just filler for this podcast episode. I really believe that there's something important here, not only for men, but for the women that are listening that have men in their life. You know, the struggle is real for the brothers. They go through things that honestly you don't see. Yes, they don't always tell you about it and it's not always their fault. It's a processing thing sometimes. But they go through things that you can't understand. You don't understand the strain and the pressure that falls on them as men. And don't allow the media to be involved because it makes it even harder for us as men because we're not respected and we're kind of spoken to or dealt with in a degrading fashion. So that pressure is added on. Then you think about the social economical aspect and then the, the cultural standards and the cultural norms and then just relationship with God and where we need to be with that and, and our relationship to the word of God and how much of that we are allowing to change our hearts. And you got a whole bevy of things that are power packed pressures on us as men and as husbands and fathers and sons. Let me ask you a few questions to ponder today. I know that most times you guys take notes when you hear our podcast. Hope you continue to do so especially this season. But here's a question. Are you overly concerned about your reputation? Are you willing to sacrifice your reputation for something or someone greater than you? If Jesus was a man without reputation, how do you explain your current posture and why you avoid situations that could make you look bad or weak? Joseph was very likely mocked and criticized because the town would sooner believe that Mary stepped out on her husband and he let them think and say whatever they wanted to. He covered his family at the expense of of his reputation. Do you do that? Can you do that? Will you do that? Next question. Do you understand heritage, but are not governed by it? Are you still living based on where you used to be rather than where you actually are right now? Are you using old tools that only worked in the previous season? Joseph had the blood of great Kings flowing through his veins, but he was a carpenter who loved the Lord. Is your desire bigger than God's today? Are you a person who's embraced their uniqueness? Maybe they labeled you the black sheep or the one of the litter or the reject. But have you realized yet that you're unique and you have something special under that pile of dirt, mess and negative life experiences? The Bible says that we're carriers of a wonderful treasure just in earthen vessels. Who would say anything contrary, right? Are you a person full of pride? Are you... Presently, you know, cool with serving away from the bright lights of recognition? Can you handle the spotlight being on somebody else who may be more gifted and talented and tenured? Or somebody who you're more gifted and talented than, and they're in the spotlight, but you're not? Joseph lived in the background. In this entire situation, he remained in the background, faithful. Servant leader, a man of integrity, but he still he served in the background. He never tried to be in. He led from the back. He led his household in every conceivable way. 
He led when he had to move to Egypt because of the threats of King Herod. He led in the, the, the life and household management issues and he led with the raising of his child. He walked with integrity. Are you a person of integrity? You have so many valid reasons to be hurt and offended. But here's my last question to you today. This is the biggest question I'm going to ask you today. Our final and most important question, will you obey? Joseph broke traditional long-held values in order to find himself in compliance with instructions that he barely understood. He risked everything that mattered in his era, culturally, for a promise he couldn't even quite see yet. If Webster's definition of faith isn't fleshed out enough for your taste, use this one instead. Everything in his head and his environment said, do what's conventional. Stick to, tradi stick to tradition. Name him John because that's what your great-grandfather, your grandfather, and your father did. Joseph doesn't even get the props others do. But he was a man of faith, a man of courage, and a man of vision. These days, words like faith and courage and vision are buzzwords that we use to sound cool and educated. But we live in a country where the requirement to use those can be drowned out with so many distractions. Joseph didn't have that luxury. Technically, we don't either. We should all only hope to be a smidgen of what kind of example Joseph of Nazareth was. I don't know about you, but those questions are worth asking ourselves today. I really believe that. Are you overly concerned about your reputation? Do you understand heritage, but you're not governed by it? Are you a person who's embraced their uniqueness? Are you a person full of pride? Are you a person of integrity? Will you obey? This came through as more like a teaching today, but I really believe that Joseph is setting the standard for how we need to go into this new year, into this new approach. There's going to be a lot of laws going to try to pull us into different directions, having us do something that maybe perhaps is acceptable around us, but it shouldn't be acceptable to us. I don't know about you, but season three is going to be exciting and amazing. I think it's already started. Hope you enjoyed the episode today, wherever you are today, and however you're listening to the People's Podcast. Thank you again for making a Call Me Mr. You a small part of your morning, your day, and your week. We are your weekly mirror check before you go change the world. Look close. Look closer. You already possess every tool and resource you need to change that world. TikTok. A lot of change is going to take place, but it starts with you. So let's do that, okay? Let's change the world. You got it, baby. Thank you for joining us again. Have a great day. Season three is on. Let's do this. Enjoy the music. Coach out. Thanks again for listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. 
please like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for all of our full-length live episodes. And of course, if you're an audio listener, wherever you enjoy your podcast listening, you can find They Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Go change the world. Coach out.